So we're going to wind down now chapter 1, a long chapter of about 53 verses. And we're now on the 50th verse. Verse 50, up to this point, Shlomo has become the unanimous king of Israel. No disputes here. And Adonyahu and his friends know that they're in big trouble because they're considered now rebels and they dispersed, as we saw in verse 49. And Adonyahu himself runs to the altar. It says, He feared the king Shlomo and he arose and went and held on to the horns of the altar. In other words, he went to the tabernacle and he held on to the horns of the altar. What does that mean? Simply put, that's a place where Hashem has compassion, where He forgives the sins of Am Yisrael, where He has mercy. And therefore, Adonai was hoping in a place like that, His blood won't be spilled. It wouldn't be proper to spill His blood in such a holy place of forgiveness. It's like uh, running into the shul and putting it to filling on, filling and hoping that now you'll be saved somehow. In other words, that's the simple understanding. Sometimes the the horns of the altar are considered a, a city of refuge concept where the somebody we know who inadvertently kills somebody by accident, they, they can run to a city of refuge to save themselves from the, from the redeemer of blood. And um, therefore they can be, it can be a haven for them. And this is a concept that they, the Karnot Mizbech are like a city of refuge. Here in Adanyahu's case, that's not really relevant, but in Yoav's case, he'll do the same thing in the next chapter. We'll talk about it more, what the concept of holding onto the horns of the altar is. In any case, it does save Adonai's life, as we see. It says in 51, They tell Shlomo that Adonai fears the king. And they tell Shlomo that he's holding onto the horns of the altar, saying, Swear to me, King Shlomo, that you will not kill your servant by the sword. That's what verse 51 tells us. And Shlomo answers the following in Nunbet. He says, Tell Adonyahu that if he'll be a good boy, if he'll be Leben Chayel, if he'll be a man of valor, then not a hair on his head will fall. But if he does anything wrong, he will die. That's what Shlomo tells them. In other words, Adonai is begging for, 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 for forgiveness, for pardon. And Shlomo says, I will pardon you as long as you don't do anything else to disturb me. Uh, this is also the custom of the kings of Israel who would forgive uh, their opponents if they felt they were on secure ground and they were, and they were secure in their reign. They would forgive the opposition as David did after the Avshalom rebellion. His men wanted to kill uh, Shimi ben Gera for cursing David. And David said, nobody should die today. Everybody knows I'm king. There's no reason to execute anybody. Uh, Shaul as well, when he was uh, mocked by uh, vulgar men when he was anointed. And they said, who is this that he should save us? They were mocking Shaul. Later on, when Shaul brought salvation to Israel by defeating uh, Ammon, the king of Ammon, the people wanted to execute those that had mocked Shaul. And Shaul also said, Nobody should die today. Everybody knows I'm king. And that's what Shlomo is saying, that there's no reason to execute uh, Adonyahu because Shlomo is sitting on firm ground and he doesn't need to execute Adonyahu, but that's as long as Adonyahu um, behaves himself. So it says in the last verse of our chapter, Shlomo, and they sent, Shlomo sent for Adonyahu and they took him off the 
Mizbech. They pried him off the altar. And he came and he bowed down to the king, Shlomo. Shlomo. And Shlomo told to him, He said, just go home. And that's how the chapter ends. After a long chapter where Adonyahu opened up saying, it says, and he rose and say with chutzpah that I will rule. It ends up at the end that it says, go home. He has to go home, meaning that Shlomo's telling him, you have no um, participation in the kingly affairs. You will be a private person. We'll leave you alone. You will not, not be part of the, of the regal agenda. And that would, that's what he means by Lech Lebeitecha, go home. And that's how we end chapter one. And we go right into chapter two. And chapter two opens, Vayikravu Yemei David Lamut. And David's days were coming close where he was going to, about to die. Vayetzavet Shlomo ben Olemor. And he commanded his son to say, uh, he commanded his son saying, and before we listen to David's final message, or messages and ideas that he wants to impart to his son Shlomo, we'll ask, why does it say, and the David's days came, were coming to an end, why don't we call him King David anymore? We'll simply put, now Shlomo's king, so he's not just David, and not King David, but we also it could be that now that David's the Kravuya made David Lamut as he's we see that he's going to pass away soon. We see that he's just David, fallible and human like all the rest of us. And that's what he basically says to Shlomo in verse 2. I'm going in the way of the world. in the way of the earth. And therefore you must be strong and you must be a man. as they say in Hebrew, He's going to have to be a man because now Shlomo has a lot of responsibility on his shoulders. And what's the, the wise advice now he gives his son, the, his, his, last, his last words to him. And you must keep the charge of the Lord your God. To go in his ways, to observe his chukim, his statutes, mitzvotav, his commandments, mishpotav, his judgments, edotav, his testimonies, kakatuv betarat Moshe, as written in the in the Torah of Moshe, lemanta skill, and you should do that in order that you shall succeed et kol ashetase, in all that you do, that kol ashetifnesham, and in all that you turn. In other words, Dov is telling him, if you want to succeed in life, you must go in the way of Torah. Notice how when we break up the different types of commandments there are in the Torah, we have a mitzvot, chukim, mishpatim, edut, and drachav comes first. Lechet b'drachav is the first thing mentioned, and that's what Rabbi Kana taught us, that the idea, drachav goes in the ways of Hashem, the way, the idea, the concepts of Torah take precedence over everything. Lechet b'drachav, lishmochu kotav. And we see that the king of Israel, by the way, really must be very, very... Um, from, as they say, he must be, he must cling to Torah. We know that the special halacha, that the king of Israel has to actually write a Sefer Torah, walk around with a Sefer Torah all the time, so he always remembers that above him, there's the king of kings. And even more than the regular citizen, the, the king, kings of Israel, have to really, really keep their humility because they know they have great authority. And everybody's saying, long live the king, and bowing down to the king. But they always remember there's something above them. And therefore, they have special halacha that they must write a Sefer Torah and walk with the Sefer Torah. So they always remember who they are. 
So David tells him that, and then he finishes in verse 4. He says something else. Why must you keep the Torah? Not just so you should succeed, and it's the right thing to do, but in verse 4, in order so that, that Hashem may establish His word, which He spoke concerning me, when He said that if your children take heed to their way, that what did Hashem tell me? He said that if my children go in my way and walk before me in truth with all their heart and with all their soul and not fail me, then we will be a man on the throne of Israel. In other words, more, also important, most important, why you must keep to observe the commandments if you want to establish the kingdom from, from your seed. After all, it's a conditional thing. David was promised the kingdom on condition that he goes in the way of Hashem. So he's telling Shlomo here in this verse that if you want to keep it going, that for your children, so we continue the kingdom coming from the seed of David, we must not go off the derech just for that. Of course, really David is promised the kingdom forever, but there could be problems like splits in the kingdom, which we saw later on. But David's telling him that, as we say in the end of that verse, so you don't get cut off from the throne. David's warning, Shlomo, that remember it's a conditional thing, that I was promised the Davidic dynasty coming from me, the kings of Israel, but it's on condition that we don't go off the derech. So that's verse 4. And now he goes now to some tachlis. He's going to give him some very practical advice on what to do now uh, on the political realm. And it says in verse 5, vegam, and also. In other words, gam, which means also and further. Also, this is also part of the Torah, what you're going to have to do now. Yadate et Yisrael. Remember what Yoav ben Surya did to me and to two uh, army generals of the Jewish people, Avner ben Er and Amasa ben Yeter, that he killed them and he spilled their blood in, a, in the times of peace. Let me say that in Hebrew. Vayasem b'shalom. They say, he shed blood of war in times of peace. And and he put the blood of war upon his belt. That was about his, on his loins or on his hip. And on his shoes that were on his feet. Now that's one intricate verse there in verse 5. We're going to have to kind of try to understand it. David is telling, uh, King David is telling Shlomo that you have to really remember what Yoav did to me. That's what the verse says. Did to me personally, it seems. Li, Masali Yoav, when he killed the Sar Tzava, two of Sar Tzavas, not one, Avner and Amasa. He spilled their blood in times of peace. How did he spill their blood? A simple understanding of the verse. He spilled it in such a way that it says in the end of the verse that it spritzed all over their belts and their clothes and their shoes. That's how we can understand the verse. He did this from close range and so cruelly that the blood spilled on them. Of course, there's a lot of drashot that the Chazal will doresh from these verses. That I don't know if we'll go into them, but they're very interesting. But it basically explains how Yoav actually did kill those two uh, Jewish generals. In any case, Yoav is a heroic figure. First of all, let's understand Yoav ben Surya. He's a heroic figure who, grew, who brought great salvation to the Jewish people. 
he his 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 bravery, his courage is in the wars he fought, probably unmatched by any other Jewish figure. But with all the great things he did, he also spilled a lot of blood. And he also gave David tremendous problems. And that's the first uh, thing David mentions, that he killed Avner Bener. When he killed Avner Bener, that was a big problem for David. First of all, Avner Bener was the head of Beit Shaul. He was the captain of the host. And when Shaul passed away, he was basically running things for Beit Shaul. And when Avner Bener came to make peace with David, to bring all the tribes of Israel to David, who at that time was just in Hebron with, with one tribe, ruling over just Yehuda, Avner Bener agreed now to give David the entire kingdom. At that meeting in Hebron, that historic meeting where they're going to make peace, David was on the cusp of being now king of all of Israel. Yoav arose and killed Avner Bener in a very devious, tricky way. I don't know if we'll get into it now, but it was really something very, very sneaky that Avner was totally unsuspecting. And by doing so, he got David so into so much trouble because that's basically David's, David's guy. I and mean, if you invite somebody like Avner Bener to your place and you don't protect him and your army general kills him, that implicates you, that you have a hand in that murder. And it took a long time for David to, 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 to convince the Jewish people that he had no hand in that murder, in the murder of Avdeh Bener. And that, that's what Yoav did to me. That was probably the most difficult obstacle that David had to overcome was convincing the Jewish people that he did not have a hand in the murder of Avdeh Bener, but Yoav was just acting on his own. And in, back in that chapter in Shmuel Bet, and by the way, it's important to learn a lot of Shmuel Bet to understand these, these figures in Amasir and Avner and, and, and Yoav. But in any case, I'm trying to give a quick review in case you don't know or to refresh your memory. Yoav killed Avner Bener in, a, a, in Hebron in a time of peace. Now, of course, we have to understand that Yoav's motive was that Avner had killed Yoav's younger brother, Asael. Young, Yoav had a brother, Asael, who was killed previously in the chapter before when there was a small civil war going on between Yoav and Avner and the battle broke out and Asael was trying to kill Avner and Avner tried, warned him, get, 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 get away from me. I don't want to have to kill you. And Asael continued pursuing Avner and Avner struck Asael down. Yoav did not forget that and therefore he took revenge on Avner. But Avner was justified then to kill Asael and therefore... Yoav is considered a murderer in that situation. David never punished him. Never punished him. And now he's basically asking Shlomo to take care of it. Not only was Avner killed by Yoav, but so was Amasa ben Yeter. Who was Amasa ben Yeter? He was another captain of the host that David uh, anoint, uh, appointed in, in Yoav's stead after the uh, Avshalom rebellion. David uh, fired Yoav and he appointed Amasa in his stead. And the very next chapter in the Sheva ben Bichri rebellion, Yoav, in a very, very sneaky way, you have to read it there in chapter 20, Shmuel Bet, in a very, very sly, cunning, nasty way, he cuts down Amasa ben Yeter, who totally was not suspecting it. You have to check that out. 
but it was it was kind of cruel. And basically, we see that Yoav is a problem for David because Yoav does basically what he wants. Yoav also killed Avshalom. David does not mention that here. He does not mention that here as one of Yoav's sins because Yoav was correct in killing Avshalom. But the fact was that David had pleaded with all of the Jewish people in that war on his side, please don't harm my son Avshalom. And Yoav went and killed him anyway. Of course, Yoav was right there. But it showed one thing. Yoav does not have Yerat Melech. He doesn't have fear of the king. And if he doesn't have fear of King David, he's certainly not going to have fear of King Shlomo. And therefore, he poses a tremendous problem to the kingdom of Shlomo for it to prosper. Now, we have to understand why. Where, why who is Yoav? Yoav ben Sruria. Who's Sruria? Sruria is one of the children of Yishai. In other words, Sruria is David's sister. And therefore, Yoav is, is David's nephew. He might not be a big difference in age because David was the younger son there. But we, they're family. And they go way back. They were together in the desert of Yehuda. They're back, you know, they're from the same neighborhood, from the same family. And therefore, being so close, maybe the expression that familiarity breeds contempt, but Yoav doesn't have the awe of the king that the rest of the Jewish people did. And therefore, he becomes like a loose cannon who does whatever he wants. And it becomes dangerous to David and much more to Shlomo. David was able to handle him, more or less, but many times he also said that I can't handle Benet Shruya and Kashimi many did. Uh, um, we saw him complaining about them on several occasions. And um, David needs Yoav, of course. He needed him for his military prowess. There's no question that this, David's military prowess allowed David to be a great king and, 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 the, and all the conquests of David are in Yoav's merit as well. But there's no question at this point, even without the Netanyahu rebellion, of course, that was the last straw. When Yoav joined Netanyahu, that was absolutely the last straw. Of course, and therefore, the Shlomo is being warned here to be very careful of Yov bin Surya because he didn't fear me and he's certainly not going to fear you. And so David continues, and do wisely with him. Shlomo's already pretty smart. You know, he's Chacham ke Shlomo. Already, David says, David knows his son is Chacham. Chachmatecha tase. In the words, that's an expression that don't let his head go down to the grave in peace, which is really saying, don't let him die a natural death. In other words, for his good, for his atonement in this world, don't let him die a natural death. So take care of him. That's what David tells Shlomo to do to Yoav. And we'll see a lot of verses later on in this chapter how Shlomo is going to Execute Yoav, and it's a, not an easy thing to do. We'll see that later on. We'll see in, now in verse 7. What else does David tell uh, Shlomo? But to, to the children of Barzillai HaGiladi, do chesed to them. And let them eat at your table. Because they helped me out when I was running away from Avshalom, your brother. In other words, David is very loyal. Somebody who's good to him, David is good back. Loyalty is a key attribute that David has. And he expects loyalty back, that we see in many occasions. But Barzalai Giladi, help me, 
you take care of him. That's one of David's uh, attributes. We see that all along the line. He has he 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 expects loyalty back, and he's loyal to to others. Um, anyway, it looks like here as we go on that David is giving like a hit list. As we the next person to take care of is Shimi Ben Gera in verse eight. Then you have to understand David's final words to Shlomo. It's not a hit list like it might sound here. This is David's final will and testament. Knock off this guy. Take care of this guy. But that's why we have to complement the book of Kings with the Chronicles. If you look at Chronicles 1, chapter 29, chapter 30, chapter 28, we see long speeches, parting speeches to Shlomo and to the Jewish people on a totally different subject, how you must go in the way of Hashem and how we must build the Beit HaMikdash and how I wanted to build the Beit HaMikdash and Shlomo's building it instead. And he gives a lot of Musa to Am Yisrael. But the book of Kings isn't the book of Chronicles. That's the difference between those books. The, books of, the book of Chronicles doesn't mention at all the Adonyahu rebellion. It, it, it totally doesn't discuss it because it's a different kind of perspective being given there. So you have to always compliment uh, when you want to learn Navi, read Chronicles, the parallel to it, and you'll learn a lot. So we're going to now stop here until later.